When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Anfield Index Under Pressure podcast. My name's Dan Kennett, and with me to do another international break podcast, uh, the third one of the season, and last one for a long, long time, thank goodness. Uh, I do have the dynamic sports science duo. Uh, I've got the manual, the reason why you all listen to this show, it's Mr. Simon Brundish. Good evening, Si. Evening, boys. It's exciting times. International breaks, a wank fest, but but we've got some, we've got a good pod. We have got a belt for a pod, hopefully. Um, Let's not get too ahead of ourselves, but I've got him broadcasting live from his ivory tower. It's Dr. Phil Barter, Professor of Data Science at Middlesex University. Good evening, Phil. How are we doing, boys? Looking forward to it, as always. Absolutely. And and um, I have a very special treat for you all. Um, we've got a new um, we've got a new member of the team. Um, and <laughs> he's once of this parish. Um, I think he's still a semi-regular on... AI Discord, but he used to do the Tactics Weekly podcast with Rhodesy and none of them, Mr. Paul Dalgleish, but it's Hamza Kaliklunat. Good evening, Hamza. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, not to be like cliched, but uh, very good to be back. Absolutely. It's been a while since you did a podcast for AI, mate. Yeah, it's been a long time. I, I was on a Crick Index not too long ago with Rhodesy. That's uh, more important. Yes. Uh, but the last time I did a AI pod, uh, yeah, it's been been a long time. But uh, I, as you mentioned, I've been in the Discord, uh, listening and, and watching and trying to lurking copy mainly it. lurking. Yeah, looking for ideas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're sounding good, mate. Nice, nice and clear. Nice silky tones. I like it. It's definitely a nice and definitely a welcome addition to the show but you just want to give us a bit about uh give us a, a bit of info about yourself what you do and your your, your potted life story to get to this point uh yeah uh as in real uh, sort of long time uh anfield index regulars will know that I, I sort of started out uh i think my first ever piece was a sort of a three thousand or five thousand word analysis on brendan rogers and what was going wrong there uh and uh road not the, not the not the 14 15 season <laughs> I, I think, I think, yeah. Uh, it, oh my goodness, that's a yeah. That's a, yeah, talking about going in at the deep ends, that's a toughie. So uh, that's where I started, and then yeah, doing doing a bit of tactics uh, writing uh, for a while, and, and then the podcast, uh, and then yeah, now now I'm 
of the times. Uh, so I do a bit of football reporting. Uh, and I've done a couple of Liverpool matches, actually. Uh, I have asked Klopp a couple of questions, but uh, I was actually there when um, the Spurs... Was match. he nice to you? This is the most important Hamza. Was he nice to you? He, he was nice, but at the Spurs match, the, the look on his face was so scary. I, I didn't want to ask him a question. I was just looking, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to ask him that. It's because two minutes into the press conference, of course, and Miguel Delaney pops up and he says, uh, the PGMOL have released a statement. And uh, I looked at Klopp and he just had a sort of a look and I went, your first memory of me is not going to be, <laughs> if it's not me asking a silly question here. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, uh, I, I try and bring a bit of a sort of different uh, approach when I when I'm in the the presses, trying to get a bit more tactics, a bit more analytics out of the coaches. Uh, some are quite receptive to that, uh, some aren't. Um, Gary O'Neill's great for that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, he was Thomas great Frank. on. Yeah, he was great on Monday Night Football, wasn't he? Yeah, Gary O'Neill. They're the sort of managers that I'll definitely recommend that you'd actually sort of listen to their full presser because you might have a 15 minute presser and there might be two minutes. They're actually worthwhile, but those two minutes are actually great. Uh, some managers like him are great. Uh, some other ones, um, some don't like to give much stuff away at all. Mikel Arteta, for example, uh, you ask him about questions and he, he doesn't generally like to sort of uh, in, in, engage with them. Uh, he's quite sort of uh, guarded in that regard. But, uh, I haven't had a chance to... Actually, Pep was all right as well. Uh, and Pep Linders, of course, is probably the best guy when it comes to sort of getting uh, a good segment out of him. Well, he likes to talk. Pep, Mr. Linders, doesn't he? He really likes to talk. Definitely. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, um, that, that that is, uh, I hope that's sort of a little sort of round of explanation of, of what Absolutely. I do. Absolutely. And uh, well, welcome aboard, mate. Well, um, hopefully, uh, you know, everybody's going to have lots of kind words to say. Um, after this, um, and but most important thing to recognise there is that you did start out as the much maligned internet blogger, and you became an expert on the internet. So yes, it's amazing how many of these people do start off as in quotes internet bloggers. Anyway, I would definitely what one thing I, 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 I'd say UP was like a big part of that because the other day, uh, for example, uh, Mikel Arteta was speaking about Gabriel Jesus and his load management. Mm-hmm. And and not a single person in the press conference understood what he was on about. Mm-hmm. And I and I sat there and looked around. I was like, no one else picked up on load, acute load, chronic load. Some run this. Did you ask him about time. the optimal ratio? Uh, acute, I, chronic? I, he mentioned it, and I'd, I'd already asked my question, so I just sort of took it down in my notes. And afterwards, yeah. we discussed ourselves. Yeah, the journalist said, "What was probably the best bit to have?" And I said, "This, this load stuff's quite good." And then you, you go through his minutes and you check that there's a, a spike there. But yeah. Um, a lot of things people will miss just because they're they're not quite uh, uh, certain terms and ideas they're not familiar with. So often uh, us sports journalists don't do a good enough job of translating that information. So uh, having something like UP is actually really useful, especially for my education at least. Uh, so that's that, that's hopefully what I'm here for. There you go. There you go. Mission accomplished, Sai. Awesome. Yeah, I knew, I knew, uh, I knew Hamza was was fully integrated into uh, the sports science group. Think, yes, absolutely. And a repetition. You were bemoaning repetition pre-pod, but that's one of the good things about repetition. You just drill it home to people. Yeah, I suppose. I I remember talking about this stuff on CNN and on ESPN. You were wearing a nicer jacket than you are now. (laughs) <laughs> that it wasn't it wasn't that pod but uh, it wasn't that that interview but uh yeah 
<laughs> yeah, and, and we, Phil, we always like to think this is po- podcast is kind of education. We've always done it with that in mind, haven't we? I mean, yeah, I think we've always tried to explain terms when we haven't. So it does a particularly good job of bringing in a metaphor to explain it as well. But I think we're all pretty good at because I think without being too ideological, um, we are going to spread the word and try and educate, mm. as we go, try and become better fans. And Hamza is one of the journos that takes it up and try to, in some small way, improve the reporting of games in this country. Absolutely. Well said. Well said, mate. Anyway, we are going to crack on with our international break pod. And we're going to start as ever with these ones in this, these international break pods with the injury situation, the all important injury situation. Sai. It wasn't looking too good before the break. Has it improved? Good's relative, isn't it? Like, is are we talking in comparison to the other teams? Are we talking in comparison to uh, best possible case scenario? Are we talking in comparison to previous history? I think it's. I think we have to, to. We have to say in context to what we can actually afford to sustain in terms of injury levels, where the squad, yeah. That makes sense. So then it becomes much more subject, uh, subjective than, mm-hmm. uh, than the stuff we're dealing with. I think we've got, we've suddenly got some injuries. We've pretty much had none this season. Uh, set aside one player from the start 11, just set aside Tiago. That's yeah. it. Like, He's never going to play it for us again, is he? I hope so. My heart misses him. Mm, I know. Um, Andy Andy Robbo, long term. Robbo's got a proper injury. Robbo's going to be out till New Year for sure. Um, is what it is. Nothing you can do about that. That's that's got nothing to do with aging aging tissues. It's just it's a proper um, dislocated shoulder with the the damage it was bad enough that he needed surgery to put it back into the right spot. Mm. So. Um, it becomes the the nature of that with how invasive surgery is compared to just putting it back and hoping it heals. Um, you've got all of the tissue that you dig down through to get to, to heal as well. Um, so it, the actual bone might heal quicker, but it's got uh, a much bigger wound than otherwise uh, from fall on the floor. So <laughs> it looks, so I think probably the FA cup is going to be the early, is, is, it would be his return game in best case scenario, I'd imagine. Mm. We've yeah. got so Jones. Uh, yeah, uh, CJ probably uh, is probably back next week. Um, who could else? It, should should at least just injured. Gomez and fake injury, uh, so he's going to be back next week. Uh, Jomez. Uh, so, so you you actually think he wasn't injured, Canate? I, honestly, I have no information about that at all. My okay. guess is it was a little bit of a geeks thing because <laughs> why wouldn't you at this point? He is he is made of wet digestives, so why sending them away to uh, to France when they're playing when they're playing teams they can rack up fourteen goals against? It's just a waste of his minutes that he's going to get injured again. I'd rather he played an extra two games for Liverpool than for France before he got injured. If that makes sense, yes. So th- that's what I would have done if I was Klopp. Uh, who knows at this point? Um, he could well just be injured and I'm, ma- I'm pulling stuff out of my ass. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Go- Gomez has probably got a couple of weeks more. Okay. Uh, Gomez, uh, obviously, Bajatic, you know, you, you, we always say not to include him in these things, but he is an official squad player injured as well. And and Gravenberg is the other one. Yep. 
Uh, so Grab's got an injury that that uh, kept him out of the internationals, and again, um, and he could be is in officially he's impending, so he should be back next weekend. But let's see. Right, and as far as you're aware, no new injuries while on international duty. Uh, no. Okay. So it sounds like it's it sounds like it's it's going to be at least no worse than it was for the um uh for the Brentford game and hopefully better because obviously McAllister won't be suspended. Um but we need to start this next block of games with the healthiest squad possible side because this is this is the season, right? This this block until the FA Cup, this is this is make or break, right? Yeah, this is the the serious time of season. Uh we got in the ne- in the thir- thirty eight days between um, the return against City and uh, January the first, uh, we have nine one two three four five. I had this written down. <laughs> eleven games. I can't find it on my five screens where I wrote it down. Um, yeah, we've got eleven games in um, in thirty eight days. It's hardcore. We have one um, rest day, one for, uh, full rest day. So um, match day plus four out in the next month and uh, month and two weeks. So there is no time to prepare. This is all about recovery, act, um, play, active recovery, maybe one or two embed days of tactics, but really not a lot going on here. You've just got to, this is the time when you're, you're, um, you should have fully prepared your squad rotation, your team rotations way ahead of advance. This is your lads that play in midfield and are in midweeks. These are your lads that play midfield at weekends. Go and play. Yeah. So eight Premier League matches in that match, in in that block. Eight Um, Premier League matches, two now important Europa League games and the bullshit Mickey Mouse game in the middle between Man United and Arsenal. Because we can't help ourselves. So the um, the um, Europa League game against Lask is the big one. Because if we win that, we should be qualified, which gives you at least one dead rubber potentially. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 the only the only saving grace about the West Ham match is that is is that it's at home in that period. Um, so the only you mentioned rest days, one full rest day of recovery. That's actually between the Man City and Lask game, isn't it? Yeah, first week. Yeah. On the t- or the Tuesday or the Wednesday, one of those days it'll be. Yeah. Um, so you 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 are you are hoping to see a weekend eleven and a midweek eleven. Yeah, based on what you, what you were saying there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, what I'm hoping for is that um, we have pre-planned. So each each of our players will have they actually do have um, uh, a cro- uh, uh, Typical adjusted chronic load, right? So they have their whatever chronic load they're at now, but they will have like a proven level of um, uh, a capacity to play a set number of minutes a week for a set period of time. So I'll be looking at a six week period. What what is the maximum chronic load uh, that each player can pl- has shown they can play whilst performing well? And not in getting injured, so all of the players should have uh, a, a threshold of minutes played um, that they've demonstrated they can do in the past. And all our players do have that. We have, I have those numbers uh, in the past from previous seasons as well. 
And we have like some of the boys have got some massive weekly uh, chronic loads in the past. So like uh, Mo can Mo's demonstrated. Uh, well, he's got an average of 142 in his Liverpool career. Wow! Um, in a week, that's Vir- a lot of midweek games. Virgil has got a big history of it as well. Virgil yeah. has, but centre backs accept. You can just roll centre backs out yeah. all the time because most of the time they don't. Well, you, you say that, but then you also said that Canate's made of digestives. So he's just a, he's he like he's just an individual rather than like yeah. a, you can't use player profiles like position profiles against him because he just breaks and in so he break it so of of the least intense positions on the pitch on the outfield pitch he plays that and he breaks all the time. Hmm. Yeah. So his okay. his chronic load is is less than ninety minutes a week. Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints, and coasters all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah. So we were talking about a few pods, about three pods ago, I think, about you were quite optimistic about where the rotation situation was. Um, and we thought we were, we were, we were making a better fist of it. And then just before, the last few games before the international break, it, it kind of went a bit, kind of went a little bit skew if a bit awry. Do, do you, how optimistic that, that we'll stick to the science in this block? What does history tell us in this block? Do we do it better in this block or? You know, does it give you cause for optimism that we, we will follow the numbers? The season before last, um, it ruined everything in terms of... Klopp had very obviously made some big, significant adjustments over his Liverpool career in terms of rotation, particularly through the dark winter period. Um, and he went from playing all of his players and then breaking all of his players to rotating more and then rotating earlier and then rotating strategically all the way through the season. And we had two really good seasons of it. And then the cup run, the quad, whatever nonsense happened. Um, And suddenly Virgil's making his debut in the Caribou Cup in September. Um, And if we didn't have the Caribou Cup, I would be on board with it. I think we're fine. I think we're probably fine because we've got younger players that also don't have a massive injury history. But it still worries me that we're still playing to win. We It feels like we haven't quite prioritised uh, a hierarchy of importance of competition as much as I would like. And I'm the only important person in the world here, obviously. <laughs> you are the sports scientist, but like it, you- it feels like we have. It feels like we're we're taking unnecessary risk with players' load in competitions where we shouldn't. But yeah. they value obviously the lesser competitions way more than I do. I think I think we've even proven beyond any reasonable doubt the consequence of 
of minutes played. As I've talked talked about many, many times before here, where people go, yeah, but you count in international minutes. Bodies don't care what shirt they're wearing. They don't care what competition they're in. Uh, uh, a game against Shrewsbury in the Caribou Cup or a game against Real Madrid, it's very, very close in terms of how how much damage you're doing to the um, skeletal system the and um, the stresses in, inside the body over the course of the next week. So you layer that on to previous stress on the body – it doesn't matter who you're playing against. It's just, it just, it gradually builds and builds and builds. And at some point, most of our players break. Do you really want that to be part of the cause? Hmm. So what did you say it was? 11 games in 38 days? Yeah. Yeah. So Bart, um, anything you want to come in on just to, on the rotation and how you No, wanna... no, no. I, I agree. So I think we, we should have prioritised getting back in the top four, the league. Yeah, and to be fair, a lot of us are still looking at that going, hang on, our points per game, we're only three points off the top. You could have made a strategic decision even now and said, you know what, let's give this a shot. You could have done that as a side. I know we've set a cycle side, but you know what I'm saying? We're, we're in a very good position. You can say, look, we'll just, we won't worry about the West Ham game. The the other game, the other, the cup competition that I would have prioritised myself would have been the Europa League because it gets you a route into Champions League, which is the ultimate goal for this season, right? But, Having said the rest of that, I, I don't understand why we've we've burned Mo's minutes in that, we've burned various other senior players in that in that tournament when we know that Mo's going away to AFCON this season. Yeah. And we know actually when it came to the crunch time in that season that we labelled the the infamous quad season, our key players were I'm not saying it's yeah. pretty harsh, but they weren't quite look at Champions League final in in, in Paris. Yeah. Mo had a couple of opportunities where you don't know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but if he hadn't played those minutes earlier on in the season, you never know. He might finish that one-on-one with Cortar later on. It, mm. It's those kind of situations that I really hope... I think it's a good point. Later on. Last time we went to AFCON, at, that, that was the most barren period of Mo Salah's Liverpool yeah. career, wasn't it, when he came back for about two months? Back, yeah. he, couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't score. I think he was still, he was still operating, he was still giving us options mm. as a side, but he wasn't as a uh, redundant. no. Never done that. Sorry, um, you know what I'm saying. I wasn't as involved. Yeah, um, Hamza, you know, you 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 get the opportunity to ask these kind of questions about, you know, fixtures congestion and 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 you know injuries to to Premier League managers. Um, what's the kind of you know what what what's your takeaway on how managers approach these kind of um packed schedules? I think um. It- <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Just it does depend, but I think with, with Klopp in particular, uh, I, I, I very much get the sense that uh, he doesn't want to ever sort of uh, give up on his idea that every match should be won. That's a, a core mm. intrinsic value to him, uh, and that underpins his principles. I think it, it is one of his principles. So I think even when he rotates teams, he, he sends them out as any sort of self-respecting professional would uh, with the intention to win and to play his way and to, to dominate. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so I think that that is um, that, that, that sense of pride, which uh, to some degree has come at the cost of, uh, of success in the league. Uh, it, it makes him who he is and it makes Liverpool who they mm-hmm. are uh, to a degree. And uh, I think that's also true in Manchester City as well. They usually, so they, they, they do rotate, but they've got a team that usually goes out and win, wins the League Cup and it's important for them because they say, yeah, we've got a trophy. Uh, 
uh, and that's part of their identity to, to dominate uh, as much as they can to com- always put the pressure on even when they're not playing well I know the City have won another trophy it, it yeah. piles pressure on in a way that um, that uh, yeah that, that sort of monopolises uh, and so so I think that is 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 very very important to the psyche of a manager uh, mm. uh, and even though they may be getting advice from the sports scientists all the time that uh, that a player may be pushing the red zone or the team may be in trouble down the line they see the match in front of them and say we have to win that because at the end of the day that's another trophy on the wall so going back to Mikel Arteta and talking about Gabriel Jesus what what was his what do you think his plan is then to reintroduce Jesus how do you uh, think he will approach it did he say so he actually mentioned that Jesus is uh, load at Arsenal is very different to what it was at City because at mm. City he was uh, he was rotated regularly uh, if he started a match he, he would often come off around the 60 minute mark uh, he wouldn't play three matches a week nope. uh, whereas what he's been expected to do at Arsenal is quite different uh, they want him to play 90s uh, there's I think the period just before he got injured he, he started three games or four games in a row and then he got injured um, and he also had the, the internationals with Brazil as well where he started again uh, yeah. so yeah uh, the idea for him I think is to build up that load uh, in which case sounds a, bit, sounds a bit sounds a bit Naby Catery to me you know mm. they kind of you know you want to build it up but it never quite arrives and it just takes one setback to undo it all yeah, yeah uh, I, I, I think with certain players uh, that, that's just sort of how yeah. they're built sadly um, yeah um, I mean Cater's yeah Cater, well, Jay, I mean Jesus is a great example because he has got a big injury history but when you used a squad player at City and you can come in and be really good for 60 minutes and then that's it and that's your expectation uh, that's a completely different ball game isn't it yeah <laughs> do you think most do you think most managers Hamza will kind of just they know the issues they know the risks but they just basically just choose to put the fingers in the plug socket as I always says and then they just wait and then they just kick the can down the road and worry about it then I, I think yeah as in, I think it's a, a probably slightly unkind way of saying it in terms of kicking, kicking the can down the road but I, I think yeah uh, they see their players in every, as much data as they get often they will see the data and they'll go but I'm seeing this play in training and the players feedback to me often which is quite important if the player says yeah I'm ready I can play I mm. want to play and they always want to play uh, that, that that does feed into it and uh, those uh, as much as especially us we like to take a uh, sort of colder analytical sort of view uh, of how these processes work out um, often the, when a player is just banging on the door I want to play I want to play I want to play Mohamed Salah for example wants to play in Europa League and you're looking why, why does he need to play but he wants to he wants to score he wants to break records uh, to those players and their psyche as well. That's quite important. Uh, so I, I think it's a, a bit more of that human element as well. That there's that pride that professional players have, whether they, 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 they want to be as effective as possible. They want to play as many games as possible. They want, they want to win. Uh, so, so I think that also feeds into it uh, as well as uh, sort of managers looking at the data and go, yeah, we'll take mm. risk there. Um, Sorry, players, players, eh? players, they're always, they never, they'll never say they they're not going to play, will they? Bunch of wankers. They're, they're children. That's the bottom line. They're children. Do you trust? Do you trust your fourteen-year-old? That you uh, I'll, I'll be fine to drive. Don't worry. <laughs> That's just they're yeah. just children. You got to take that responsibility away from you. you. Listen to them. They're one of the inputs. Yeah. They're, 
they're probably more important than their than uh, I don't know their HRV alone. But uh, but you still take that in, into account. What you do take into account more should be their history of. So one of the things that um, a sports scientist do would be every morning they have to do um, they an RPE. Uh, so they chart RPE, which is a rate of perceived exertion, and there are various factors, uh, numbers involved in this, right? So, so most clubs will give a one to ten, and it will be how well did you sleep last night? Some some clubs have um, uh, the, have some tech monitoring that, but they'll also ask the player uh, how hard was training after training, and they'll give that a one out of ten. Uh, how uh, sore are your muscles today, right? And they'll factor those things in against. Um, both internal loading metrics like heart rate data, like sometimes they'll they'll have uh, some other physiological tools like uh, CK testing, creating kinase, which is um, uh, it, it shows stress in the in the system against their norms. Or so we know physically within I don't know the ballpark what's going on in their body compared to previous days and compared to previous seasons, and you they have a relationship with that. And against how hard they say it was, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you'll get some players that run their absolute nuts off and go, and they'll they'll do for your example, in a match they'll run 13k and go, ah, oh, it was a four. And others do seven and a half and go, that was a ten. But they always say it's a ten, no matter how hard the training session was. And the others always say it was a four, no matter how hard the training session was. Does that make sense? So you can't trust players individually other than against their previous history. So you have to plot it against their, how they always speak. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys. Um, no, Sai, you did a fatigue in next pod, um, early in the week. Um, I recommend everybody listens to this also goes and listens to that. Um, you've just posted the latest fatigue index numbers, updated with some international break news. And um, there's a few standouts there, not least our new number eight who donned his Superman cape for Hungary. Um, a couple how of good days was ago. he? Yeah. How Helping good? It, apart from how cut, good is he? Yeah. Like it was. I don't know. Most people are not going to remember this, but but like he is uh, at least at this moment in time, Haji or Stoichkov yeah. for for the Eastern Bloc teams. Like. Yeah. Uh, uh, a generational like wonder already. And he yeah. just did the most salamon Oleg, Oleg blocking qualified. Oleg blocking. Yeah. Well, yeah. they had a few of those, but yeah, yeah. Russia had a few decent, decent players, but they, but he just did on his own. He did Beckham against Greece. The thing that <laughs> the, the thing that the newspapers say Beckham did and, and uh, the blonde 50 year old ladies, not the thing he actually did, but a much better version than the thing that that they say he did because he scored two wonder goals and he was utterly brilliant and he stayed in his position. Um, but the the outcome's the same. He got them qualified and yeah. unbelievable. He's just another, such a good player. Another in one. In this regard, we're thrashing his nuts off. Yeah. Z- Ziggy Boniek, one of our Polish listeners. There you go for Juve fans. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, so- Stoikovic. Yes. Yeah. So bad news is say he's played a lot this season already, right? Yeah. Huge amount. Club and country. What's his total minutes already for the season? Uh, He is at 1900 basically. And he's, but he's already at, so it's a standalone number. It doesn't mean anything. 
He's already at 81% of his average, of his career average. And it's a 40, basically it's a 40%. He is on target for a 40% increase on his career max. Yeah. So we shouldn't be increasing any, you shouldn't be increasing more than 20% year on year. Yeah. That's a massive stressor. And he did it last year. So mm. two years in a row is a huge red flag. Yeah. Like even Superman, the greatest, like mm. Mo Salah, the, the greatest available players, Luis Suarez, you're still sticking your finger in the socket if you're doing that. Yeah. Anybody else who stands out on fatigue index for you, Say Any other red flags? He He's my biggest worry at this point. Mac coming off a World Cup year where his, yeah. his, um, uh, he basically doubled. He, pre- he added 2,000 minutes to his previous highest. Yeah. Um, which is a typical Tiago season. Um, and that, so him, he's currently on target for 36% more than increase than his maximum. And he's already 77% of his career average. Yeah. So they are phenomenal. They are great athletes. They are in the prime of their lives, but we are still like, this is not a guarantee that they're going to break at no. all, but you are, this is a risk for sure. Yeah. And despite Darwin's various little knocks he's had this season, he's on course as well for a big increase on his career max as well. Yeah. Yeah. So he's so so he's on he's on target for a thirty four percent increase of his career max, which is high. It's definitely high for a uber fast twitch player like he is. Um, and it is is on for forty six percent above his career average. So oh. like you're talking three really really exciting players. Can, can just spot. Diaz in there. I know we're we're talking numbers here that people can't see, but Diaz at fifty is already fifty one percent. So we are twenty. We are thirty three percent of the season gone. Yeah. Um, at fifty one percent of his career average, how little he's played, like his career average is nothing. Yeah, and we're not even at Christmas, are we? Crazy. No. Yep. There's a lot to manage there. That's a lot to manage, say. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to require, I want these lads fit. I want them banging four and a half thousand minute seasons out, but you have to build that it, build yeah. that up. You can't just expect it every season. I want these guys to be the best for the next three years, not just right now yeah. before Christmas. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Very good. Anyway, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to the latest review of Liverpool on the season so far, and then we're going to come on in a bit to do a little bit on our rivals as well. Um, and Bart, she's been busy, boy, looking at um, looking at our um, where we are now and how maybe how hot or not we are. And he's done, and he's done a couple of nice Monte Carlos that you want to start off with, I think. Yeah, yeah. If you want to, as, as this regular listeners will know, I regularly regularly do a sort of Monte Carlo every now and again if I've got time. But um, I split it by home and away. Um, just as a sort of, mm. uh, it's 12 games as well, 1,000 sims, so fairly decent amount of um, simulation with the um, XGA and XG. And um, this is fairly in line with a lot with understat, to be fair, but for home, we are overperforming defensively, which is something we probably know about, but we should have conceded six goals and we only conceded two. So that's something we are, we know we're running hot defensively, but it's particularly at home. That's, that's a four goal difference. Um, away f- in terms of scoring though, at home, we are under by uh, one goal. So it's it probably just about in line in terms of our scoring. 
away from home, I think listeners will remember from previous pods we've done about this, our away form last season was a particular concern in the, in the MCs because we've only conceded, what is it, seven goals away from home, but we should have conceded 10. Um, and we should have scored 11 goals, but only scored nine. So our underperformance um, and overperformance, are poor, I would say, worse if you like away from home um but that's that's the mcs um it's it's only a simulation it's not as some people say it's not a game's not made on paper so the biggest the biggest out the biggest the most unlikely outcome there was the goals conceded at home of those yeah that's the most unlikely yeah that's a four goal swing uh defensively which we've we've covered on pods before Mm. with this big even the last pod brentford uh missed Mm. two uh, an XT chance, which should have been converted into a decent XG chance, and mm. the chance before at nil nil, and it was a point yeah. three, wasn't it, or something? Where he put what with Ali made the save. So yeah, yeah, there's, there's, we know there's opportunities where we've Ali's been amazing, and your position equally haven't taken opportunity, taken the opportunity that present them in in the form of XT. Yeah. Now you've also done more detailed. Um, stats pack which you've uploaded to under pressure discord for subscribers as well and is there any 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 highlights or any 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 anything positive any real positives out there which look sustainable and good and on the on the flip side anything that you know is maybe red flags or setting some alarm bells running for you i think um the away form for me is a concern um i think if you look at a lot of our our shots, our shot maps are changed markedly home and away, um, not only down to the goals, but where the XGs in the periods are, are caused. It, it's, it's a concern and what we're letting the opposition do as well uh, would be a, would be a worry. Also, in terms of our passing, this doesn't sound like a lot, right? But at home, we average three passes per minute. Okay. That's what we've done at home. Mm-hmm. And we let the opposition, opposition do a pass a minute, right? Mm-hmm. But when we go away from Manfield, it equals out two or two each. So yeah. check, that, that that might not sound a lot, but actually, when you think about that in a game, that's turned into an equal contest rather than a not. Um, in terms of, as you know, I can break down XG by a situation. Um, the other concerning thing away from home is we can see more on corners away from home than we do at home. Uh, so it's over that seems one. Random. X- oh wow. Okay. Over over one XG away from home. Yeah. Uh, whereas pretty much at home, which might be in line with us running hot, we also have kept pretty much every opportunity apart from open play to below one XG uh, XGA. So that's that's not a bad thing to have. Um, obviously, my, our our stats improve home versus away. We're we're better on corners and and uh, the rest of it at home in terms of XG production. Um, but our open play is is much the same. It's the same profile of situation. So we have the same tools, should we say, home and away. But the degree at which we create XG is reduced away from home. Uh, so the only one that's notably above anything decent, as in one XG, is open play away from home. So the opposition for me are limiting us to, they're saying, go on in, create in open play against us, and then they're putting a deep block up. And then they're only allowing, then they're reducing the amount we could pass the ball around as well. So that's probably something that is from those first 12 games, something I just noticed from running the mm. usual fears. Um, the other thing before I let others come in is, Pass maps, I changed those around, sort of made it, normally it's four passes to get a connection, but because you're dealing with, you know, 12 games, you you had to reduce that down, had to increase that, sorry, to reduce noise. Uh, what that does mean is our shape, I know it's average position, but is 
we've spoken about this a lot. Away from home is incredibly narrow. It's in the in the middle uh, three channels of the pass network on on the image. So it's of the all show. between the width, all between the width of the penalty, all with yeah. the eighteen yard box, and that's particularly yeah. pertinent with our inverting right back. Whereas if you look in the home version, we have we have representation in both the outside channels, as I would say, and we have good depth and, and width in the in the middle uh, areas as well. So there's a distinct change in our patterns in terms of our position and our pass networking away from home versus home. Left-hand still, left hand side still try and hold the width, but our right-hand side is, is particularly more, uh, is narrower. Uh, narrower? Is that a word? Narrower. Narrower, there you go, um, away from home. Uh, the other thing as well, annoyingly, which probably goes the, the setups we're facing, at home we've got our front three players in the half spaces in zone 14, key areas for us to produce from away from home largely if you look at the attacking networks that they're kept out of those areas away from home so that's mm. that's just some things with the tactics to think about but yeah that's a, a plenary of things i've looked at for the moment nice thank you phil um i, I want to want to talk about a couple of players one very quickly um and then another more in depth um so the first one is uh, is virgil um there was a nice article in the athletic from Sam Hughes um about the if you like the the narrative was very much that Virgil is back but maybe not in his homeland where he's still being rather heavily criticized by some ex-profile players like Ruth Hullett and Marco van Basten and amongst others um but very much domestically um so yeah the famous dribble pass stats made a reappearance phil which i, I quite like to remember I remember i remember i think it was i think it was nicholas pepe didn't he he ran the he, he won the dribbled pass trophy he did he's, he's only thing he's one of the arsenal wasn't it before he's now <laughs> uh after his 90 million pound move and uh the rest of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah so he's uh, the he, simon's got the numbers here there's 54 attempts to dribble pass virgil and only one and that was this is between 2018 and his injury in 2020 um and only one player made it out the other side against him out of 54 attempts. That was Pepe. Yeah. And then in the next three seasons since then, post-injury, 23, and this includes the um, the near quad season, um, 23 out of 89 dribbles against Virgil have been successful, which it's quite. It's not quite a third, it's about, about 28%, I think, off my, if my maths yeah. is right. But this season... 10 Premier League matches, 13 dribbles against him. Only one player has come out the other side. Uh, and as well as he top, he, he's got the best tackle percentage in the league uh, on Opta. And he's also miles ahead in aerial to us. He's having, having his most dominant season ever in the air for Liverpool. Jeez. Be interesting so, to see whether it's what those stats are like. I know the sample size will be even smaller, but the post red card. Yeah. Because yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we said last week, didn't we? We thought his performance had gone up post the red card yeah um so that that being should be no they, they, I, there's certainly stats that are showing he's coming back to something uh whether he's fully there or not he's probably a little bit of way to go whether he'll ever get fully back there but still certainly improvements from the last season and uh other periods yeah and the other one i want to talk about in a bit more depth because it's so important both tactically and statistically and everything wise is trent um i know Sai's got some strong views on Trent at the moment, um, which is good because we'll have a nice balanced discussion. And I think what 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 um where I want to start this is um Trent as an individual and then Trent as part of the team context. 
And one thing I did uh, myself was I went back through the match logs on um, FB Ref um, and assembled the data of him playing um, in the hybrid role in the WM. And he's played twenty. He's played seven hundred seventeen hundred and fifty nine minutes. Um, and this follows on from the discussions we've had on the last two podcasts, basically. Um, 1,759 minutes, 25 through balls. Uh, and that's 1.3 through balls per 90. And we always say through balls are the most valuable type mm-hmm. of chance created. Um, typically, the average, the average shot is, is got about a, tw- it's got a 10% conversion, whereas the average through ball chance is more than double that. And so, you know, it's about 22% conversion on average for through yeah. ball chance. Nearly a big um, chance, isn't it? Which is huge. When you can, yeah. you know, you're looking at over 100% improvement uh, in a, or 10 percentage points is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very few players get to 1.3 um, through balls per 90 minutes. So, Lionel Messi's done it about six times in the course of his career. He's a couple of get, couple of seasons he's had over two per game. Kevin De Bruyne's done it once in 2017-18 season. And Neymar Jr., when Neymar um, was actually quite good between 2017-18 and 2019-20. Um, and he had some ridiculous numbers there, even, even better than Messi on some of the creativity numbers for PSG. But that's it. No one else has reached that level of... Um, of creativity. Um, so Trent is Trent is doing these things individually, and there was one against Luton which we didn't score from, which was the one we talked about a lot mm. because it was the Darwin. Yeah. Darwin, yeah, Darwin got a great first touch, but then he hit the bar, didn't he? But yeah. you know, that's a really good example of a of a, of a three ball chance which, which Trent creates. But but the overall team context is that if we look in terms of expected threat, at least. Um, the overall team output in attack is no more than it's been in previous years for us. Trent's individual numbers are great, mm-hmm. but the defensive numbers are all at our at their worst levels as the, that they have been for us. Um, it's significant, still significantly worse than than the previous four seasons. So how do we how do we square the circles? But how do we how do we marry the strengths of doing this versus the weakness of, weaknesses of it? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I think this well, we've you clearly made a case. The strengths are that if he produces that one point through board game, that's pretty much a big chance, right? Yeah. So that that in itself is a pre uh, a big big um, a big opportunity. If you look at positionally, we've chatted about this a lot defensively, uh, particularly away from home. If you know, with the touch maps, he's more inverted inside, so we are more exposed. Um, but 
The other thing to note is the position he's taken up inverted is a less XT opportunity to create than if he was high and wide in the hot zone. So his XT production will go down as a result of in, inverting because those squares in the 192 by 192 grid of XT calculations are worthless. Yeah. Than if he was out in the hot zones or his other areas that he was we were successful for in terms of winning the league in the Champions League. So that's going to be a reduction. But in terms of his actual um direct XG production, the trade-off is that he's got more opportunity to create that as a higher volume. Does that make sense? So he's yeah. yeah, so he creates that through ball, which has got a higher end XG chance, versus if he was in the the usual areas, he would get a higher XT because those boxes are worth more. But yeah, I, there's a trade-off. Defensively, we've spoken about that. Um, whether we need a six to play with him or whether he need whether we need to get by a right back. I think as I said in one of our chats the last week, you know, just by a right back and tell Trent's playing in the middle as England are doing. But um yeah, I, I think it's what you want him to do from an output. And then I think we've all discussed the fact that at the moment the side is too set up to get him to do this one particular thing and maybe not covering for the defensive areas that he's now not able to do because we're asking him to go in there and he's going there at an increasing rate as well as in, in the middle of the park. Yeah. Um, so Hamza, you've had a first time you've had a chance to talk about Trent, Trent inverting um, the WM three box three. What's your whole take on it? Um, I think that, that- Long and short of it is there's there's upsides and downsides, uh, uh, and you can't get away from that. I mean, so like this season, uh, if we use our friend Mark Mark stats, I think he's, he's top oh, for yeah. non cross XT. I think it's zero point two three. Absolutely. Uh, and in that level, I think is only sort of comparable to Kevin De Bruyne in recent seasons. Yeah, um, and that's his trend second best season on that basis mm. as well. That you know on that on that metric as well. So. Uh, but at the same time, so while his XT is up, his XA is down. I think two seasons ago, uh, in the, the the quadruple charge season, he was going to get 0.41 XA per 90, which again, that, that's, that's, I think, the only time where he's actually rivaled Kevin De Bruyne in terms of XA per 90. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the reason that's impressive is because obviously he's a fullback and he's not an attacking midfielder. Uh, and sometimes yes. we forget that element. Yeah, that's absolutely. why it's so, it's so impressive. Uh, so uh, you, you've got a few things going on there. So in terms of actual delivery into the box, you, you're not getting that quality anymore. Uh, and there's, like, it's like I said, there's a few things to unpack if he's playing in midfield. So right now, as the England match is actually on, uh, and he's playing, he's sort of playing a double pivot, but he's actually as a number eight. And in the previous match, he also played as a number eight in one half, and then in a double pivot in the other half. Um, and they are two slightly different. Often they can be very, very similar, but slightly different roles and they get different things out of him. Uh, but the question is, uh, is the trade-off of having him there better than having him at fullback? And at the moment, I'm still not sure that's the case. Uh, what When you have such an extraordinary player in terms of output, like I said with that, that season where he got 0.41 XA per 90, mm. uh, I think you should be looking to maximise the ability to... to to, to use that and when he's in these deeper areas uh, while you are getting the switches of plays while you are getting the sort of the improvements of tempo um, I, I, I mean Sobo's liking off of switches 
Yeah, Callister can offer te- uh, can, can control tempo. If Thiago's there, he offers both, but he, he usually isn't. Uh, Virgil offers switches from deep as well, from left to right. But we're not often seeing the the right to left one, uh, which is important when you're playing against low blocks. You need to manipulate space. There's a few games this season where we where we've seen that Liverpool have compacted the middle and they're playing through the middle and it's just Salah out wide and you see a two-on-one matchup out wide and you're thinking, well, Salah might be able to take two players on, but why don't you increase the percentage chances of him doing that, uh, of having success on that side by offering the overlapping run, by having Trent combined with him, by having him in proximity. Uh, and, and again, so you, I, I'm going to come back to England. Uh, when Trent plays near Saka, things happen, but if Trent is yeah. playing far away from him it's less likely to happen having these players in close proximity to one another so where they can do that instinctive uh, manipulation of the ball where they can rotate when they see spaces uh, and move into them because that's their instincts as a footballer rather than than a sort of tactical scheme that's set up for them uh, I, I think that's where you get the best out of him uh, and he, he, he's actually coming off right now I don't think this is his best match for England uh, not that I think uh, I appreciate the live updates there Hansa, anyway <laughs> um, but, but yeah I, I think it's a it's a complicated issue and I, I think we'd actually be better using him uh, in a sort of more tailored manner for example if you're playing against a low block and you've already got McAllister and Soboslai playing you should use him as a fullback, uh, we. Do you, think the Brentford, do, you, do you think the Brentford match may be a, a precursor of that, where there was a, it was a more balanced distribution between playing out wide as a fullback, traditional fullback, and then and then inverting. It wasn't the mad dash to invert every at every single opportunity. Um, uh before I make a judgment on that, I'd just like to see it a bit more. Um, yeah. because just one game, you see things, and everything is sort of a contingent when it's one game. So, uh, so the, Good-ish signs there, but uh, you can't jump to the conclusion yet on that. Uh, Very wise words, Hamza. Very wise words. (laughs) Absolutely. I fully agree. Um, Brundish, Um, you're not convinced. You're less convinced than most on this experiment still, aren't you? I don't don't think the numbers match up. I I, I appreciate what you're saying about three balls, but, um, okay, three balls are more likely to cause a high... um, XG shot and a big chance, yeah. But they're not. He's created five big chances this season, two of which were from corners. Yeah. So I don't care how many three balls he's making if the three ball is not creating a big chance. It's it, is that the one statistic we can hang a hat on that it's worth? Can we all agree that there is disruption from him playing there? Absolutely. It's not making us structurally more sound. No. No, my point was that there was that the the team attack is good, but it's been good for the past five years. Yeah, yeah, and the attack isn't better than it has been. In fact, is it's, it's still a chunk below where it was in twenty one twenty two season, right? Yeah, but the defense is worse than all the previous seasons. Ah, so if we can go back to <laughs> if we, if we can look at what Bart uh, Bart's was talking about, like you know trends this season, yeah. our rolling ten right now. Okay, so Bart's actually pointed out something. I'm just jumping off the Trent thing for a second. Um, Bart's asked something in the the WhatsApp a couple of weeks ago. I I, I vaguely grasped it and then forgot completely because I I live with my hair on fire, which is the reason I have none. Um, (laughs) um, He wanted me to compare XT against post shot. And 
um, yeah. which I do anyway. I have I have this in the table. Um, and rolling nineteen of uh, XG of expected threat against versus the quality of shot Ali has to save. Yeah, post shot. Yeah, um, we over thirty eight games. Um, we are 0.03, so our defence is saving 0.03 of the expected threat that translates into a shot to goal uh, that Ali's got to save. But in the last 10 games, it's point is minus 0.39. So it's literally 10 times better. It's not, you know, 10 times is 0.03 is not a massive deal, but, uh, but 0.39 is the contribution of our defence saving the expected threat before the quality of shot Ali gets. It's a small sample size. It's only 10 games. Mm, that's, a big, that's a big chance, though, isn't it? Uh, it's a big chance. And yeah. our two best seasons was 0.31. So our defence currently is performing like it actually a little bit better than it did. This is before Ali. This is not even the bit Ali does. This is the yeah. bit that Ali has to face. Yeah. 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 So they're getting expected threat, but we're already nullifying the quality of that. We it's, we talked about this last season that the opposition were getting lots of chances. Uh, no, not not many chances, but the chances they were getting were really high quality. Yeah. 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 And then they were converting that into a really high quality post shot. And now they're not. So our defence is doing something much better than they were last season, whatever that is. Or the midfield is, yeah. Is yeah. up for debate. Yeah. yeah. Something yeah. is happening to suppress the shot quality that Ali has to face, which is about as good as it gets. When we were when we were the best team in the world, we had the best, two best boxers in the world. We were the best forwards and the best defence inside yeah. both penalty areas. Mm. This season, we're much better at controlling midfield, kind of, um, but that that's been the target for us, and we were not necessarily that great at one of the ends. Ali is the best in the world, so he's always going to make that up. But so my point is, the defenses are actually better, um, and it probably goes to one of the points I missed out on. You chatting about Virgil? Virgil has been better without a shadow of a doubt. I don't think he's. I don't think he's what he used to be. I think the no. tackle stat is bullshit. I think because it's <laughs> it is subject. Let me say. The, the, dribble the award of a, of a tackle is subjective. Yes. So during games, three games this season, when I've recorded what Opta said was a tackle, um, the Virgil had missed five tackles, but then he got corrected afterwards. So he's not <laughs> missed any. But at one point, Opta rewarded him missing five. Well, is is a tackle not against the art of defending where you avoid having to make a tackle as well? Of course it does. He's not yeah. made that many tackles, but, but yeah. you know what I mean. I, it's sort of a. It's that's why I don't like Mecca. Mecca it's nonsense. He was it's, always it's nonsense. nonsense. Virgil's thing. brilliant. Virgil's less brilliant than he used to be, but thankfully he was shit last season. Now he's not great. Yeah. So the change uh, and, and going back to that thing as I'm catching up on the previous tangents that um, I think it's probably been between the international breaks when he's been looking like Virgil. And the last time we heard from the those um, famous old Dutch players was the last international break. And he had been kind of shit for about a year and a half. So I think it's fair enough if that's if that's what they're seeing of him. Yeah. They just yeah. haven't caught up with the news yet. That's all. 
But going back to Trent, I don't think his... So his XG build, here's my massive shitload of tangents because I was just counting up all this stuff. Uh, His XG build per 90 is the same now, 0.48 as it was last season, 0.49, shit season before, but it was 0.52 season before that one. We were really good. So that was right back. He the mm. the stuff before the ex the the actual goal stuff, the end product is below what he was managing at right back. Yeah. And the actual stuff, the output stuff, that's way below what he was managing at right back. And we're not controlling games better by creating more stuff. So I'm really not sure what the point is, other than all grassroots country coaches in the fucking world are making inverted fullbacks right now. Mm. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I, I wanted to build on what you say there, Sai, um, because I think, I think there is a story in the defensive numbers. And if we look at, uh, you know, I've got about eight or 10 measures on I've researched and coming into this. And there, there is a real, there's a real, um, curate's egg of a combination here is that, um, we, our opponents have got the lowest shot conversion in the league against us this season. 6%, 6% shot conversion. I mean, that is not sustainable, right? We're now, we are now hotter than Spurs defensively. I didn't think that would be possible. Well, you know, after the way we talked about Spurs a couple of pods ago. So the average, the league average shot is converted at a 10% rate. And we are four, per- four percentage points lower than that. I've never known us be like that. But the bad news is that is not sustainable. However, the opposition, the average distance from our goal, we are the second best team in the league in terms of how far away from goal the opposition takes their shots. It's 17.8 metres on the average shot. The only team which is better than us is Arsenal, 18 metres. Now, the problem is, I think here, is that a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the games is because it's still only 12 games. And that's why I'm going to come back to XT is that the, the, op- the opposition have had big chances inside our box, which haven't really resulted in anything. For example, the most famous one of all is the Mateus Cunha header at Wolves, which I don't think was even given as a shot in the end by Opta. Um, so this season in all Premier League games in expected threat, we are 1.94 in attack and 1.3 defensively, which is a difference of 0.64 per game, which is which is good. That's top four good, right? People say, well, what about the red cards? And what about the red cards? Well, what about the red cards? Because the attack, when it's 11 v 11, the biggest impact is on the attack. We When it's 11 v 11, we are 2.1 expected threat instead of 1.9. But we, we barely move the needle. We're 1.26 defensively versus 1.3. So the underlying defensive numbers don't really change whether, when, whether it's red card or 11 v 11. And they are RXT defensively is over 50% worse than Man City and almost 40% worse than Arsenal. So I think, I think there's a really interesting story in these defensive numbers. Um, we're still conceding two big chances per game, which is better than last season, but not good enough yet. But yeah, I just, it just looks to me we're, we're conceding too many opportunities for the, def- for the opposition to get into the p- p- dangerous positions, which they, which at some point they will start taking. And I don't think, I think the opposition to do a few pot shots or a few um, low percentage chances to go in, because I don't think we can sustain 6% opposition shot conversion. Anybody want to come back to me on that? 
Well, one thing I'll add uh, quickly. Uh, uh, I remember last season when we were, when Liverpool were playing quite badly, the, the, the non-penalty XG per shot face was 0.14. Uh, it ended the yeah. season 0.13. And uh, now on FB ref, it's 0.1. But uh, I don't think Fine. it actually shows, I don't think it shows the full decimal places. Uh, league average, that is, that's more like, yeah, league average uh, rate. I, I think it's just, just five teams have a better uh, non-penalty XG per shot against yes. Yes. Uh, West Ham Wolves, Arsenal, Everton and uh, Newcastle. Uh, but yeah, I, I just wanted to give that stat in because um, the non-penalty XG last season was, uh, was yeah, that, that was, was the, bad. The, the number to match with the discussion that we just had earlier, sorry. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, I was going to make a similar point in terms of, I was just saying that uh, the XG, average XG we give away at home per shot is 0. 0.09. And yeah. away it goes up to point and any point uh one two. Yeah. So, uh, it's not it's a marginal difference, but that's kind of comes back to what you're saying about the the long distance shot. And it, you kind of kind of see that in the shot maps when you see it. There's a when we're away from home, we it's just it's a it's a different it's not that different, but there's a lot more shots on the outside of the area. I know we're away from home, we're we're inviting somebody, but it's just a different kind of makeup. And I think as I keep, as I said already, I think our away form and our ability to reduce the XT and the XG away from home, I think could be the could be the difference in us doing a big thing this season and not personally. Because I think our XG, I think I think we're at home. If you look at our, our home form, our home at what we give out at home, I think that's where we are riding hot. But we're, I think we're performing pretty damn well at home. Um, you know, if all the metrics point that way, but away from home. But then we've also had red cards, and we said, "Yeah, I don't know." I think, it's, I think, I think it's fair to say overall, if we're having this context now, we're having a really hard look at numbers after twelve games and saying, mm. oh, like, "What these these aren't a million miles away from Manchester and Arsenal." No, they're not. It's just and, a slight difference. Yeah, it's just a different. We're we're a different profile team. We're we're better in attack and and, and worse defensively. But the uh, the overall difference. You know, in terms of XG difference or XT difference between us and Arsenal, is the same number. It's just a different profile. Yeah, but I think your point about XT is, is key because we're below Arsenal and City only from XT, so I think that's probably Absolutely. something to look at. But then that that's that's something to, we've said before. Our midfield has improved this season, but as I said, we're still not controlling games as well as we used to in midfield. It mm. is improved, but we're still not there. You know, hand on heart, have we gone into a game and completely shut it down after a period of time? I don't think we have. You know, even even Brentford it was a, was a three 0 win, but we all said it was a bit weird, and we there was garbage time actually given up, which yeah, and we weren't it, doing at our best. Exactly, and it, it seems to be more reliant on a certain combination of personnel to be able to shut stuff down if we can as well. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can't really shut it down with you know the B team or you know reserved players on the list. No, for sure. Say, si, last word to you on this one. I could talk about Ali all day, but we already know he's the greatest. Mm. No, we do. No, that is that is unequivocal. Um, I, I do you know what? No, I'm going to go there. Ali is so good compared to the other keepers yeah. that it makes it covers up for all of this other stuff you're talking about. He yeah, fair, fair he, point. he he is he has faced 24 big chances this season. He saved 11 of them. It's phenomenal. Um, the next, uh, Kaminsky, who is Luton, I had no idea what his name was, uh, but Luton's has faced the most with 46, as you'd expect, and say 15. Um, 
the, of the competition uh, from uh, who we're going for the league with. Um, you have Arsenal are saving 18% of their big chances, whoever's in goal for them average. And uh, City uh, are currently saving... Sorry, my bad. I had this before. So, 20. The, 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 the fundamental- Half as good as Ali. Yeah. <laughs> Fundamentally, the difference between us and the other two teams, the other two really good teams, is that they allow much less volume on their goal, right? We allow much more volume, but we have a brilliant goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. But imagine if we didn't allow that volume. Yeah. Yeah. And have imagine a brilliant goalkeeper. Just, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Imagine if we could just get the midfield right to get back to controlling it a bit more. Mm. We. I think this side would go from being where we're like, yeah, well, we're kind of there. We're three points off the top being, no, actually, we're the best team in the country. And that's yeah. what it, I find frustrating at times. Is I don't think we're actually that far away. The metrics are all pointing the right way. It's just these li- this little bit here, which I think we're all kind of in agreement with. We give away too much XT. We give away too much volume of opportunity to create those, that high, those XGA, XG, sorry, XGA. Um, and that, I think, is preventing us from, from potentially winning the league. Yeah, personally. Um, let's talk a bit about our rivals. Um, going to bring Hamza Wait, in, in a I second. Can I just stand up here just to support that? I didn't realise. Fucking hell. Um, who else is there to what? Who else is there to compete with? Like we've got City. We can pretend Arsenal are in this. Okay, I'm Arsenal. I'm not having anybody else's in. Is is in any competition for the league? Right. Yeah. With. Um, oh my god, I can't fathom it. Um, when the goal, when goal, the not the Mara miss, is that what we're saying? Yeah, I am, I yeah, agree. yeah. They're, they're overperforming both, yeah. Blows my mind. but goal difference at nil nil. The Arsenal, um, concede 0.78, City 0.78. Liverpool point one thirty five double. So so there's Ali for you. So basically, yeah. we've neutralised Ali. Yeah, yeah. But he, the one thing we can all agree on is that to to go to contend on a title run deep into the season, Ali has to be just play like this every game. He we can't afford Ali to drop even a little bit, can we? This season, no. We yeah. Can't. That's a lot of pressure on him, even though he is brilliant. Right. Let's talk about our rivals. And I just want to start off. And I say, I did give some bad news about a big red flag for me on our, in how hot we were running. Another one for City, though, um, is that their op- opposition goalkeepers against Man City are easily the worst in the entire league. They've let in four and a half more goals than they should have through their post shot. Four and a half in 12 games. That's not going to fucking continue for that much longer. So hopefully we'll see a bit like Chelsea have suffered from, where I think they're, they're, they're I think they're at the other stage where they they've, they've saved four more than they should have as well. So um, so hopefully that we see a bit more of a swing there against Man City. But coming to you, Hamza, because I think you've got um, you've got some stuff on Man City and Arsenal. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. 
As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, what I'll do, I'll, I'll quickly just mention just a couple of goalkeeper stats because they are relevant uh, to what we've just mentioned and what we're leading on to. So um, in terms of goals per shot on target this season, uh, opponents against Liverpool have, uh, are going at 0.19, mm-hmm. uh, best in the league. Uh, against Manchester City, it's 0.32, uh, which is just about middle in the league. Uh, and then against Arsenal, it's 0.35. Uh, mm. Which is the second worst in the league? Uh, only is that Burnley because their goalies are rubbish. Uh, y- y- yeah. Well, I, I think. Um, well, statistically speaking, Aaron Ramsdale has almost always been a below-average shot stopper, uh, and David Raya, uh, I think, is generally a, a good goalkeeper. Um, I wouldn't put him in top sort of bracket, but he's a good goalkeeper, good all-round distribution. Uh, Claiming the ball, uh, I think just the situation. He's under pressure, time. though, isn't he? The, bre- yeah, the Brexit, the, bre- the Brexit, the Brexiteers are on his case because uh, he's keeping Aaron Ramsdale at the team, and he's under a lot of pressure. Pretty much that uh, that that doesn't help him. Uh, but uh, to 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 cut, to lead into our comparison with our uh, with our rivals, uh, one thing that uh, well, as we know, Arsenal and Manchester City are particularly sort of miserly. They don't give much away, and that's no. reflecting the set pieces too. Uh, they also conceded one point five one. Set piece XG, excluding penalties. All season. The league. Uh, yep. Wow. Uh, and 17 shots as well, which, well, I, I didn't quite realise how impressive that was. That's, yeah, 17 shots from set pieces all season. Uh, huh. uh, Manchester City have the second best record, 24 set piece shot, shots and a 2.52 set piece XG. Uh, Liverpool are lower mid table for, for the, for these figures, 3.9. Uh, XG faced and uh, 46 uh, shots from them. That's uh, so way, way above. Wow, uh, we've conceded 46 shots from set plays. Wow. Yeah. What did you say Arsenal's was? 17? 17. Fucking uh, Which is, uh, as in, their defence is extraordinary. Uh, so I did a bit of uh, research a, a little while ago and their defence is only very, very... So if you use a sort of... Um, 10 match rolling average just in that period leading up to May 2022 mm. uh, they dropped below 0.71 uh, XG non-penalty uh, per 90 uh, and that's where they're at at the moment uh, that defence is just unbelievable but at the same time uh, they're experiencing something really weird so if you watch Arsenal this season you, you can just see they're playing in a very different way it's just Immediately obvious in the first game of the season, I was there against Forest and then uh, Fulham as well. Uh, they build up in a different way. Uh, it's much slower. It's more considered. Um, and one, uh, 
slight tangent here. Liverpool are playing a lot more direct this season as well. Uh, the Opta Analyst site has this uh, this this matrix where you can mm, see uh, the yeah, direct speed, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, only Luton, Nottingham Forest, and West Ham play in a more fast and direct fashion than Liverpool, wow. uh, which people just might find interesting. Yeah. Uh, but to, to 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 come back to Arsenal. Um, they uh yes they're playing in a much slower uh fashion than last season because of this they're having uh fewer opportunities to to play through their wingers they, instead they're playing in a sort of horseshoe fashion side to side uh Declan Rice comes in field but then distributes it out wide uh so what this means is uh in terms of the way that they attack they have the lowest share of uh chances created in the league from the central third uh which is strange and weird Mm. and usually for a very good team you'd expect that to be high because that's the most obvious route to goal in fact around half of their chances actually come from the right third uh so it's a well if you watch them play you know they play through Saka a lot and Odekar's struggling this season and um these sort of trends aren't just exclusive to sort of Saka and Odegaard. Uh, everyone apart from Saka this season uh is producing less xg and less xa is it fewer Mm. um um um, yeah, uh, per 90, uh, so yeah. yeah, Saka, Martinelli, Jesus, Odegaard, uh, Havertz compared to. So, but overall, but what the defense has improved at a greater rate than the attack has declined. So mm. overall, they're better. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, Do uh, Arsenal fans not think they're better this year? Uh, I, the impression that I get is as a unit, I, I just from seeing Arteta asking, he, he, he doesn't seem as content with his team. The defense is excellent, but the fluency yeah. and the opportunity to, 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 to celebrate the, the best qualities of their players uh, isn't as obvious as before. Usually you, you would see fewer, uh, you'd see more counterattacks playing through Martinelli, through Saka. Of course, yeah. Jesus has been injured, but in playing in this particular way, uh, they are sort of inhibiting the opportunity for their best players to play well. Um, and perhaps that is also in part because um, players like uh, the guard aren't playing as well do, as last do, season. Um, do, 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 do Arsenal fans just like sort of gloss over the last four months of last season uh, when they're making these judgments about their team? Well, they were, they were pretty terrible for the last four months of the season, weren't they? They were like uh, yeah. ninth, tenth best team in the league, if, yeah, if that. Yeah, that drop-off was really quite significant. Uh, so, I think everyone sort of accepts it, uh, and knows that they were running hot, but their underlying figures were good and, and they're running hot. It's just that they did no rotation and for like mm. the first 20 league games and then, yeah. yeah. And, and and then it all seemed to sort of yeah. fall apart. Um, so uh, given the state of the squad in terms of a number of youth, uh, young players that have developed, so you've got Saka and Martinelli an extra year development. Uh, you've got Odegaard also maturing, yeah. Declan Rice. Yeah. All these players, you expect to see an increase because they're developing into better players and the manager just naturally has more time with them. Uh, So you expect to say, oh yeah, these are the baseline figures and this is the improvement. But the improvement is not quite matched up in the areas where you'd think it was. But the flip side is what happens when they do attack well? Um, I I, I think it's reasonable to expect that um, Saka, Martinelli and co will may create more. Uh, So, uh, but that the attack has been trending downwards for for quite so, a while now. Question: Is the is the exam question then, Hamza? Right, the attack the, the attack is trending downwards. We all we all agree with that. They're not they're a different team. We all agree with that. Is the attack in quotes still good enough 
to win? Because the defence most definitely is. Is the attack still at a good enough level to win? If they're this miserly in defence, then yeah. Uh, because, uh, like you said, 17 shots from set pieces is yeah extraordinary. Uh, and their ability to suppress shots and limit counter-attacking opportunities is quite good. Uh, so, y- y- yeah. yeah. In an ordinary season... 27 yeah. big chances in 12 games. I, I think it, I think it's over two per game in attack. So, but you 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 have you obviously have to unfortunately work with a lot of Arsenal fans. Um, <laughs> do you think the Arsenal attack is in quotes good enough to win? I mean, if you look at the this is only understat, but they've got about what they should have scored 23.6, and they've scored uh, 26 goals. So they're, they're sort of overperforming a little bit. But Hamza's right; their defense is absolutely. Stonkingly, you know, X, XGA is uh, 11 and exceeded 10, so they've slightly overperformance there, but yeah, and that's despite having a rubbish goalie. That is despite having a rubbish goalie, although the X, the points that understat have got them at is 22.6, yeah, and Arsenal got 27, so they're actually overperforming yeah. in the points direction more than us, uh, because understat have got us at 24 points versus yeah. 27. So, but the Arsenal fans I work with are delirious. Um, I mean, the end of last season, they were like, oh, we're unlucky and the rest of it. And yeah, they're, they're not very statistically minded, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> just working in the uni, but not <laughs> yeah, the the, department. A, cu- a couple of the guys I work with, a couple of the other guys that used to work that have moved on would, would probably uh, oh. agree with Hamza, to be fair. I think they're, I think that they would always go with the, they're my age, right? So they've grown up with the George Graham Arsenal. Right, yes, so yes. defense wins your titles, and from yeah. their point of view, though that group of Arsenal fans I work with are very much like, well, this defense is, is elite, and this this could win as a league. Yeah, and there's not a lot wrong with that argument, to be fair. Yeah. Um, Hamza, can you come back to your Man City. Uh, yeah, just before I go to Man City, uh, Arsenal are quite effective on set pieces too. Uh, they have the fourth best uh, XG from set plays, 4.49 and scored eight goals. A bit of an overperformance there. But if you if you just watch their, their corners, for example, they're, they're, they, they target them quite well. Uh, last season, they targeted the front post really, really heavily. And this season, they've changed it. They're actually targeting the back post a lot more. Uh, and they do run sort of uh, sequences as well. And mm. they, they appear to be rehearsed sequences. And I went through quite a few earlier this season. I watched them and it looked like uh, it's like American football style set pieces. Nice. As in the, the ball they've is been, in. They've been on the stats bomb course then. Yeah. Y- yeah. Uh, <laughs> the ball is, is in open play, but you can see what rehearse moves where uh, a player sees a trigger and attacks a certain space to drag yeah. an opponent with them. Often it's, it's if it's, if the ball is on, uh, on the right side of it for a corners and Chenko will come over and sometimes uh, he will attack the half space and he'll try and run into there as a ball is cut back. They have a number of se- sequences. I, I, I did a piece, so I'll share it. Uh, so they're, they're, they're quite good. Are, are uh, they are they better than us in attack on set pieces this season or are we still above them? Uh, in We have 4.34 XG and four goals in the league, uh, okay. although we have nine shots more. We have 59 okay. to, to their 50. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll jump on to, to City now. City are interesting um, because if you take a 19 match rolling average half a season, uh, yeah. their XG non-penalty is... In attack. Consistent. It, it, it's still very, very, very good. It's just been trending downwards yeah. consistently uh, since Haaland <clears throat> arrived, uh, which... 
is notable. Uh, it's not. Counter- too, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah. Um, given that he is also a historic overperformer relative to XG, I guess it's not too big of a deal. Um, yeah. But it, it's just interesting that they they now attack in a different way uh, because of Haaland. We suspected it, and now you can see yeah. that sort of uh, playing out. Uh, and their XG against, again, is still very good. It's below, uh, in non-penalty terms, below one per game. But it is slightly trending upwards. But the the extra is it really? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that actually. On City's extra, I thought I, I thought they were actually static on. So, so you, they, you, using this nineteen match average, so they're slightly like worse. They're slightly worse at both ends. Okay, over nineteen games. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so the, the the low point that I have them since twenty seventeen eighteen season is zero point four two, and a deer that they reached in February thirteenth, twenty twenty one previous 19 matches no. uh, which is just bonkers yeah. uh but yeah, yeah. um it, it's been trending slowly upwards since then but you, you wouldn't expect the team to uh to maintain that sort of level but as we know anyway uh, below one it, it is fine yeah. uh they uh are a bit more diverse in their attack than um than arsenal they they create a 42 point well ran 43 percent of their chances from the final uh, from the middle the central third of, of the pitch, sorry. Uh, and then just under 40 from the left side where, where, where Doku is getting involved now. Yeah. Uh, so around 20 on the right, which is uh, interesting. Uh, but um, in terms of preview for, for Liverpool's match on, on Saturday, uh, we know that they will attack through the middle and that they will attack to the left. But that, that left side rotation has always been something that they've done. I remember there's a fantastic goal they scored against Manchester United with a pile sort of five players to one side and then switched it to, to the right to, uh, to Mahrez. And I think that was in like the second minute of the match. Um, yeah, best XG difference in the league. Uh, they are just a juggernaut, uh, although not as invincible as no. in previous seasons. Uh, that, they are still the benchmark. Hmm. Yeah, they are still the benchmark, and and if and if Rosie was here, he would make a point of still saying that Newcastle are top of both the big chances at both ends. They are joint best with us in attack, and they are easily the best in defence. They've only conceded ten in in twelve games, uh, ten big chances. So Newcastle, they've had some dodgy results in in different results, but. Um, they are still a good team statistically. So. I can actually explain Newcastle. Uh, I did a piece uh, on on them. This is why we've got you on the pod, Hamza. This is, yeah, <laughs> because uh, I was doing a sort of title piece, and Newcastle kept coming up in the numbers, and I thought uh, I can't put them in the title piece because people are going to see that and start laughing. Like, why have you put Newcastle there? Uh, so I did a separate piece examining them, uh, and the, the key to to them essentially is um, when they have positive game state they are ruthless uh or they have been when Callum Wilson and Isak have been playing together uh they just rack up chances uh well the key thing is so this I did this uh let me just check the date on this was the 4th of November so it's a maybe one game week old because the international break uh and that Newcastle led the league in big chances, 41, and they'd scored 22, 54% conversion rate of their big chances. Um and when they lead, uh, they typically uh, create chances worth 2.33 xG and face ones worth 0.93. Oh so, shit! So it's <laughs> amazing. So, so their so xG difference. So they're good front runners. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, their runners. xG difference when leading uh, is 1.4. Liverpool's is 1.04. Mm. Arsenal 0.86. City 0.58. Spurs 
negative 0.7. Um, but that has to be considered alongside the stat that I just sort of said that they're converting, they have loads of big chances and they're converting them really, really well. So um, what they've been able to do is get their shots off early, sit back in their typical mm. uh, block and then because they've got players that are suited to the counter-attack, yes. Isaac, Wilson, Almiron, uh, yeah. Joe Willock, now he's back. Who's Joe Linton. Good. Joe Linton. Uh, Anthony Gordon as well. Very yeah. quick players. So plus because of set, that... Plus a big set-piece threat as well. Exactly. Uh, because of that, they're able to break effectively as opponents like come forward, leave space in behind, and that suits them to a T. And if you look at their shot map, we can go and understand. Uh, actually, the one thing you may not know, you can... Act- well, well, Bart's knows. Uh, you can extract all the shots for a team on understat, even though it doesn't show it on the um, uh, on the website. Uh, and if you look at their shot map, uh, they have loads right in the middle of the goal, right around the six uh, six yard box, yeah. uh, be- precisely because of that. So they're able to um, counter attack really well. And again, the, these stats are, like I said, game week old. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, Isaac and Wilson had the highest XG per 90 rates in the league of players with nine with four 90s or more. Um, Wilson was going to get 0.94. Uh, Isaac, 0.84. Uh, Nunez was going to 0.83 and Haaland, 0.79. So just the context there, that mm. they were both hotter than than the, the two most prolific uh, number nines in the league. Uh, so I think that, that those stats are just a useful bit of context to understanding Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, that Liverpool win at Newcastle is, is a monumental result in the context of the season already. Yeah, absolutely brilliant stuff for Hamza. Thank you. So, um, Sai, just coming to you to wrap up, mate. I mean, you know, I know you don't like talking about Arsenal. Maybe we can talk about Hamza instead. I like to talk about Hamza's awesome, but Newcastle, I'm not having it. I was never having it. It's bullshit. They are wank. <laughs> they're, they're not a myth like Spurs. 115 shots that aren't big chances for five goals. Yeah. They've scored 27 this season, 22 from big chances. Yeah. Like, there's just got so much going their way to create 22, 22 big chances that early. I, I just think it's a small sample size and so they, set pieces. They get ahead They get ahead through set pieces and then they put Set pieces. Yeah. It's just the run that we had, but yeah. we're, be- we're way better than them. Their best, their most attacking threat is Trippier from yeah. corners. So you think, you think, you think in the Newcastle versus Spurs for fourth place, yeah? No, I think Newcastle are going to finish seventh. Wow. I thought this would have been the season. I think. Wow. Wow. I'm going to say, I'm saying Newcastle finishing above Spurs. Because you like their defence. That's why. Yeah, because I always like defence. I'm the only that's, person that's what who values defence. Yeah, it's just, it's just part, it's just part of our own, uh, our own bias. Um, no, no, my bias no, no. is against Newcastle. Get gonna, uh, <laughs> no, the injuries no. they're going to get are going to fall. They'll Your fall off the cliff. Your bias is against Jason Tindall. <laughs> Oh God, he's a wanker! <laughs> but um, no, it's just it's just that they <laughs> they cheat. And oh, they do! They do they push the they, they really do push the limit, don't they? With a yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I just they're filthy cheating. I hate it, and it's going to come home to roost because all their players they haven't got a clue how to keep them on the field. Yeah, and more and more of the they haven't got many good ones anyway. The ones they have, it, I hold my hands up here. It's remarkable. How Eddie Howe has got shit players yeah. to play like they're a top four team when the same shit players were almost getting them relegated. Yeah. He has completely changed his spots as well. Leopard can change his spots because he went away. He was a long time out the game. And he has, to be fair, 
as a coach, completely he reinvented Sean himself. Dyche, you're right. Yeah, become Sean Dyche, absolutely. Um, but one, one more, if if you don't mind, just on, yes. on the because uh, I mentioned the game state stuff, and again, yeah. th- this this data is like, slightly old, but 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 accurate enough for the general purposes. Uh, when trailing, uh, Newcastle create 0.35 xg. So if uh, difference, actually different. Sorry, they, they create 0.87 yeah. and concede 0.52. Yeah, that's uh, very good. Our xG difference when when trailing is 0.83. City's yeah. is 1.23. Arsenal's is 1.77, uh, and Spurs is two. But I think that that Spurs one might will have changed after the yeah, uh, the Chelsea so. match. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, but yeah, uh, that, that's what happened to them last season when teams basically just decided to sit in. In Newcastle, when they went through their bad run in January, February, March, and they, they couldn't break teams down. So, yeah. Can I just also say, add, add on to that, like great stuff from Hamza, that um, Arsenal actually have the best big chance uh, conversion in the league. And let me get it up because I just had a sheet of it. Um, so, Arsenal, he's, he's right. Up to date data is, he said 54, it's 54.8 for Newcastle because they scored another one, uh, 23 from 42. Um, Arsenal have got 15 from 27. They've only created 27, which is remarkable in itself, but they've got 56% conversion rate. That we, City are 46, we are 45, but let's just delve into the 45. No, we? we've done that already on Mo Salah <laughs> and Darwin Nunes. We've done that already. Don't be let's mean. Let's just say one player is at 23% and one player is at 71%. Yes. <laughs> 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 yes, we, we weren't deliberately not going to do Darwin on this pod. Now, Brunt Ebert, Newcastle, Newcastle or Spurs, what do you think? Uh, I, I'd like Spurs to, but I don't particularly want either of them, to be honest with you. I mean, um, we'd rather have rather those two than Man United. For sure, 100%. But there's, there's a lot of sides in and around that same sort of mix. Um, you know, if you look at Understat as well, they've got Villa in at the same sort of point. Yeah, true. This is true, actually. Well. You know, Villa are under, uh, doing well. They're in line for defensively, underperforming attackingly. That's that's not a bad place to be for Villa, uh, considering, as Sire always says, beat the dross and you, you're not quite winning the league, but, you know, you, you do pretty damn well. So I think there are a lot of sides in that in that sphere. Um, I think, personally, I think it's City, Liverpool and, and Arsenal uh, are in the top three. And then the four, the fourth place could be a one of four sides, I think, to be honest with you. It'd be well, really got- be, it's how, how, they, how Newcastle keep managing two games. If they go out of Europe, yeah. right, then that actually might help them yeah, because they won't have those extra times. He doesn't have to worry about the problem he's got at the moment about managing how he plays the players. He'll just play the league. Well, we've got this block in this block, talking about this block of games. We've got City yeah. straight after the international break. We've got Arsenal at home, the last match before Christmas on the 23rd. And then we've got Newcastle at home on yeah. New Year's Day. So, exactly. yeah, three big games against uh, games. three of the best teams statistically anyway in, mm. in that it, period. Here's a banter stat to support Man United aren't going to be in that competition. So the lad we're not talking about who's uh, has had 15 big chances this season and scored three of them. Stop. No. Hoyland. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hoyland. Anthony and Rashford combined have had 15 this season and scored zero. Amazing. 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 Yeah. But anyway, thank you very much, Hamza. We do hope you will be able to come back more often. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'll give you a bit more Newcastle if you want. 
No, 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 we'll finish off in a but well, uh, yeah. We've already gone over longer. This is what we like. Somebody who's come prepared with stacks of material. That is what we like. Um, but yes, please, we'll, we'll we'll do everything we can. Give us your feedback on how Hamza did. Everybody, be nice. Uh, or there might be some forced jokes going on. Um, but thank you, Sai. Thank you, Bartz. Uh, and we will be back on Monday for the big one, Man City Liverpool. Until then, up the fucking Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.